Welcome to Book Bistro, where book enthusiasts come to chat about the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. Today is Thursday, September 24th, 2020. I'm Shannon, and I'm here with Brooke today, and we are going to talk about books set in the wilderness. This is an episode that I've thought about off and on since the podcast started, so I'm really glad that we finally got a bunch of books together and are going to talk about this. So before we get started, we have, of course, the usual housekeeping information. You can find us on Twitter and on Facebook by searching Book Bistro Podcast. You can always post just on the Book Bistro timeline. Some of you have done that. I'm always so happy to see when you've published posts there. You can join our Facebook listener group where you can chat with us as well as with other podcast listeners. You can keep an eye on some of what we're reading. We usually update you each Wednesday with a look at our current reads. If you'd like to get a hold of us and social media is not really your thing, you can email us. That address is thebookbistropodcast at gmail.com. So I will start us off with the first wilderness book recommendation, and then Brooke will take her turn, and we will have 12 fantastic wilderness books for you. <clears throat> So my first pick is In the Barren Ground by Lorith Ann White. And this is a Canadian author who writes some really awesome romantic suspense. I think she's most well known for her Angie Pallarino series, which starts out with the Drowned Girls. But In the Barren Ground is a standalone novel that takes place in this huge swath of land, like 17,000 square miles not too far away from the Arctic Circle. And our heroine is a constable named Tana, and she's had some really unfortunate things like happen in her life. And when you first start the book, you don't really know what those are. You just know that her life has kind of gone off the rails, and now she's in this really remote part of the world trying to put her life back together. She's five months pregnant. No one really knows this. And she is the sole police officer after a tragedy. She is the sole police officer responsible for these 17,000 square miles. And she begins to investigate what at first seems like an accidental like, mauling of a couple of animal biologists by wolves. But as she continues to investigate this, she begins to think that something else is going on. She teams up with this pilot um, who unfortunately has the nickname of Crash. Um, and there's something <laughs> not quite right about a pilot who's called Crash um, that just doesn't compute right in my head. But he also kind of helps her out as they investigate. And of course, as you would expect, they start to kind of fall for one another and things get pretty interesting. So I am a big fan of Laura Van White and especially with what of what she did with this whole like very remote area bringing it to life so that it kind of feels like a character in itself 
and really putting Tana in an unusually difficult situation. So you get to see a lot of character growth, a lot of really spooky action, just a great overall wilderness book. So this again is In the Barren Ground and it is by Lorith Ann White. Sounds really good. It is very excellent. So my first book for today is Be Not Far From Me by Mindy McGinnis. And oh, like this, this book. book is about a girl, a teenager um, named Ashley. And Ashley, she's kind of a quiet person. Um, she really likes to be out in nature. So one day her friends, they ask her if she wants to come camping with them. So she goes out camping with them in the wilderness and um, she like she feels comfortable here. Like um, the usual creaking of the trees, the blowing of the wind, the noises of the animals that really just kind of speaks to her. Like she really, really feels comfortable here. Well, there's a little situation, her boyfriend, is she catches her boyfriend kissing another girl. And this, as you could guess, does not make her very happy. So in, an ang in anger, she takes off. And she, as she's running, she's just thinking of nothing but getting away. And she falls into a ravine. And she wakes up, like she goes unconscious for uh, I don't know how long, but she comes, she wakes up and she finds herself in this ravine and she realizes that she's not only lost, but she's kind of off, um, off the normal track. Like there's no real signs of anybody around. And she, so she needs to learn, figure out how to survive. And on top of this, she realizes that she's got an injury and the injury looks like it's infected because there's this red line that starts going up her leg. So this book is so cool because you get the feeling of how she's feeling and you get an idea of like the setting of where she's lost. And it's just a really, I, I enjoyed it a lot. It got me wanting to go camping except for the whole falling down a ravine part. I didn't really want to do that part but I liked the whole setting of the wilderness. So this is Be Not Far From Me, and it is by Mindy McGinnis. I really enjoyed this one. It was like a short, very quick read, and yeah. I just flew through it. I think it's only like 200 pages, if, I can, if I'm guessing right. I think that's true. Like, it's just not very long. Yeah. I really like her other books too. So what? All right. So let's go to Australia. I like Australia. So my next pick is an Australian thriller by author Jane Harper. This is called The Lost Man. And in a lot of cases, when we talk about the wilderness, we think of like cold and snow and that kind of kind of barren isolation. But here, this is the desert of the um, Queensland outback. And I thought this was a phenomenal setting. So The Lost Man is the story of the Bright family. And the middle son, Cameron, went out. He, he was a cattle rancher. And he went out 
to do some work on the ranch. And this ranch is like gigantic. It stretches for miles and miles, acres and acres. And he doesn't come back. So his two brothers are trying to figure out what happened to him. And then his body is found. But the thing that's really strange about this is that his body is found really far away from where he parked his work truck. So no one can figure out like, why Cameron, who has lived in this very brutal desert like all of his life, like why would he just walk away from his truck, not taking any supplies with him? Like how did this happen? So they're trying to figure out, like, did he like, start to develop heat stroke and then maybe get confused and just wander off? Like, no one really knows. But if he didn't do that, if there's someone who's actually responsible for his death, this is a problem because the list of suspects would be very small. In fact, it would mostly consist of other members of the Bright family. And that's not something that anyone is comfortable thinking about too much. So the story kind of moves back and forth in time to like through the investigation of what happened to Cameron. And then we also see the months kind of leading up to his disappearance and eventual death. So Jane Harper is one of these authors who does a fantastic job creating these really complex thrillers that once you read them, you feel like, oh my gosh, you know, this should have been so obvious to me. Like, why did I not figure this out? And yet as you're reading, it's really hard to like understand, you know, what's going to happen. You, you don't guess it until the end. And then once you actually figure it out, you're like, oh, well, of course. She is compared to Tana French in, um, in a lot of circles. And I think it is an apt comparison she really brings her characters to life in a way that feels very much like Tana French. Um, she capitalizes on all of the quirks of the areas that her stories are set in. It's just really awesome. She's written two other books, and I think she has a, a fourth one coming out um, in the beginning of 2021. So I'm definitely excited about it. This one is The Lost Man. And once again, it's by Jane Harper. So since you were talking about Tana French, I will now bring a book for her. Ah. So this is In the Woods, and it's her Dublin Murdered Squad number one. And it's by Tana French, as I mentioned. So this book is about a guy named Rob Ryan. And when Rob was 12, Jimenez, this was in 1984, him and his friends were out playing in the woods and their parents were calling them in because it was dusk and Rob, Peter, and Jamie didn't come. So their parents called the police and they did a big search and they found Rob hugging a tree and covered in mud, covered in some, and with some blood on him. So they don't know what happened because Rob, he didn't really do anything for 36 hours. And then he didn't talk really. Like he barely talked at all for those hours. But also even two weeks later, he really couldn't tell the police much. Like they really, they tried to do um, like reenactments. They tried to um, do other kind of ways of getting him to remember what happened to his friends. So now we fast forward 20 years and Rob is a 
police officer, a detective, a homicide detective, um, with the Dublin murder squad. And he is partnered with a woman named Cassie. And together, they develop a relationship, a, a like partner relationship. And they, they really rely on each other. And you really get to know them kind of like a little bit anyway, not, pure, not fully, but you get to kind of um, Tana has this really great way of kind of giving you some character development, um, probably more than any other author I can think of. And she also really brings forth the setting. So you really feel like you're in Ireland. So this is in Devon, Ireland, Devon, Ireland and you really feel like you're there. So Cassie and Rob, they are called out to um, and archaeological, archaeological, sorry, dig. And uh, the body of a 12-year-old girl has been found. And um, as you can guess, she was murdered. And as Rob and Cassie do some research, um, do some investigations, they realize that there's a little, there's some links or possible links anyway, to the case of him and his lost friends. Not only does, is this um, archaeological dig um, area right behind where he used to live, but it's also um, the site of where the woods used to be. Like there's, um, I guess, a lot of digging has happened, so the woods aren't as kind of thick and woodsy as they used to be. But um, together, Cassie and Rob, they, they investigate and they need to figure out like who like who did it. And that's all I can really give you right now. So this is In the Woods, Dublin Murder Squad, number one by Tana French. I hope that she returns to writing Dublin Murder Squad books because I really, really love them. I do. The I likeness do. I... is my favorite. All right, so I'm going to change things up a little bit and take us back in time to December of 1791. This is Into the Wilderness, Wilderness Book One by Sarah Donati. I have been meaning to read this series for years and years, and I never have. My partner actually started to read them um, at the end of last year and told me how much she loved them. So earlier this year, I dove in, and I'm so glad that I did. So Into the Wilderness is the story of Elizabeth, who is an English woman. She's grown up with all of these very rigid expectations of kind of what her life is going to be. But Elizabeth does not like these expectations. She wants to be someone who makes a difference in the world. She doesn't want to just be like a rich society wife. So her father, who is a judge, accepts a post in what is eventually like New York State. And this is right after, you know, not too long after the, the Revolutionary War was fought. So America is a very, very new country. And there's just a lot of work to do. So her father accepts this post as a judge in this kind of up and coming town. And Elizabeth decides to go with him. And she thinks that she's going to be a school teacher and really start to help settle this kind of wild country. But things don't go quite as she expects them to. 
she does end up teaching school, but there's a lot of controversy around the settlement of this area because they this land originally belonged to, of course, Native Americans. And as we all know from history, white settlers were horribly, horribly unkind to the Native residents. So Elizabeth is really trying to find her place in this world that's very different from, you know, the, the English society that she's grown up in. She meets a man named Nathaniel Bonner, who is a frontiersman. He was married um, previously to a Native woman, and he's really embraced the Native culture. He and Elizabeth fall in love and end up kind of secretly getting married and thwarting some kind of nasty plans that her father has for her. They live up on this mountain, which is called Wolf Mountain, and it's a very rugged, kind of harsh, dangerous landscape. So a lot of this novel is set in the forests as they're, you know, trying to settle this land and trying to stand up for their rights to kind of be in a relationship and in some ways to even like exist because so many white people want to get rid of the native residents of the land and just have it for themselves. So this novel really shines a light on some of that early American history. Um, a lot of people compare this to Outlander by Diana Gabaldon in the sense that it's this long sweeping saga and I would agree with that to some degree. It's not a time travel book. And I feel like the character creation is so much richer than what you get in Outlander. I love that as the series goes on, you get to know like, so many people aside from Nathaniel and Elizabeth. And each of them feels so fully fleshed out. This is just a remarkable series. There are six books. I've read the first two so far. They are these long, lush, sweeping books that you can just like dive into. And I'm so excited. I'll be starting book three um, pretty soon. But book one is Into the Wilderness. And it's the Wilderness series. Book one, as I said, by Sarah Donati. And I highly, highly recommend it if you enjoy historical fiction with kind of a romance thread and that whole like family saga feel running through it. That sounds like another good book. Oh, it's so good. They're so long and fantastic. I love them so much. Long books can either be really good or really long. <laughs> yes. So these are kind of amazing because once you start reading, like it just flies by. Like I'm really surprised at how sucked into it I get like you really get pulled into all of the lives and like struggles of these people right and it's just it's so amazing so my next book is The River at Night by Erica Forensic and this book is about four friends Winnie Pia Rachel and Sandra so our book the book is told in um from like Win from Winnie's point of view so the four friends they they've been friends for a really 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 long time like I think since college and they're in their they're in their late 30s early 40s 
which is that that right there was really cool for me because I, I don't read a lot of books of, about people in this age group, especially not books about friends in this age group. So, so every year they try to stay in touch and they try to do something different. So Winnie is a very quiet yet anxious person. So when her friend Pia, who's a very adventurous person, suggests that they go on a whitewater rafting trip, um, as you can guess, Winnie is not too uh, sold on it. But she really doesn't want to be left behind. So she says, sure, why not? So they decide to go on this whitewater rafting trip. And one of the issues that Winnie has with it is that they really don't know a lot about the company that is running this whitewater rafting um, business. So they meet, um, they get, they get together and the pretty much the first, I would say 40% of the book is kind of like a character development. So if you don't like books like this, then it's probably not a book for you, but it really helps because you kind of learn, you're able to connect with at least one of the characters because Pia is very much an adventurous person. She's kind of in for anything. Um, Winnie's very quiet and anxious and cautious about stuff. Um, Rachel is an ER nurse um, and she's kind of, she's got a bit of an, a problem with alcohol. And then we've got Sandra, who's probably what my second favorite character in the book. Um, so they all go whitewater rafting and their guide is a 20 year old who says, don't worry, I've been down this, this uh, river five times, nothing's gonna go wrong. So when that happens, we all know that something's probably gonna go wrong. Especially when they, he starts naming off some of the, um, I'd say crazy names of the different parts of the river. So for example, there's one called, I think it's like called Satan's Ladder. Oh. So you can only imagine <laughs> going down this in a raft together. So they get on, they hike into the woods and they get to the river. They, they camp out one night and then Pia ends up developing a bit of a fling with the guide. So that kind of pisses her friends off, but that's, they also think, oh, that's just Pia. So then they get to the river the next day and they get ready and they set off and they're off in the river and they run into different situations. So there's a part where it's really, really, really rough and they're worried that they're going to think. And then um, Rory, who's the guide, he ends up flipping the raft on purpose because oh. he wants the women to see like what, what could happen if you fall in the water in like in the rapids. And he wants them to see that they can save themselves. So that happens. Um. And then, <laughs> so you can imagine they were pretty pissed off when this happened. So then another thing happens where something happens to Rory. And now the women must figure out a way to survive because their raft is gone their equipment is gone and their guide is unable to help them. So a lot of things happen in this book. And like, honestly, the action that happens pretty much from now on is like nonstop. 
and I think it would make an amazing movie if it's not already. I don't normally read books that are under 3.5 rating on Goodreads, but I saw this one and I'm like, White Rider Rafting Adventure, like, come on now. It, it's got to be good. Um, a lot of people compare this book to um, the movie and the book, The Deliverance. The only Ooh. difference is they say that it's um, similar in that it, but that it's a women, the t like women going on an adventure. Oh, okay. Um, but I've also heard it's, but it's different enough that it can kind of stand on its own. So a lot more happens in the book, but I don't want to give it away. So this is The River at Night by Erica Forensic. This has been on my list of things to read for a long time. You should check out um, Still Summer by Jacqueline Machard which is a similar kind of like, you know, friends like in their late thirties, early forties, like go on kind of a like, girl's weekend adventure and all sorts of things go terribly wrong. I really liked oh, it. I will have to read that. Cause that's, that's totally something I like reading. I like yes. when people go on an adventure and things go wrong. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to go on an adventure where things go wrong, but I like to no. read about it. There's a lot of things that I don't want to do that I'm perfectly happy to read about. Like, I don't want to move to Alaska, but I'm really happy to read about it. So my next pick is the 2018 release from Kristen Hanna. This is The Great Alone. And this is a book that I loved with like every piece of my being. I read it the day it came out. I flew through it and I was so sad when I was done. Aww. So The Great Alone takes place in 1974, Alaska. And it's the story of basically a family in crisis. The father's name is Ernst, and he has returned from the Vietnam War. We would now say that he has PTSD. Um, back then, they didn't really say anything. And he was just this very violent, volatile man when he comes back from the war. And he loses his job again, and he decides that this is no good, and that really his family needs something different. And so he decides that he's going to move them to Alaska, and they're going to live off the grid, and in his kind of impulsive way of thinking, everything will be fine. <laughs> so he packs up Cora, his wife, and their 13-year-old daughter, Lenny, and they do indeed move to Alaska. And Lenny, you know, she's, she's 13. She's not really sure what she thinks about this move. She's really afraid of her father and afraid for her mother because their relationship is not at all healthy. Her father is very abusive. And she's just not sure if moving to some isolated land in Alaska is a good idea. And yet she wonders if maybe it would kind of be the fresh start that they need. So she's pretty torn. So they arrive in Alaska and they start, you know, settling in and slowly Lenny begins to think that maybe they made the right decision. Like maybe this is okay. But then winter starts to come and in Alaska, you have so many hours of darkness. And as winter descends upon them, Ernst becomes more and more and more unstable until finally like something really, really terrible happens. 
leaving the whole family just like poised to implode. So this is very much a family novel. It's kind of a coming of age story for Lenny as we really see her struggling to understand like why certain things happen the way that they do, um, why society is so eager to send men off to war and so unwilling to help them cope when they come back. Um, it's a story of first love, of danger, of this beautifully rugged and dangerous land, which is 1970s Alaska. There's just so much to love about it. It is, I think, Kristen Hanna's best novel, and I really have enjoyed like, her other works, but this one was just so incredible to me. Um, she has a new one coming out next year that I'm really excited about, and yet there's a part of me that feels like nothing can even come close to the beauty that is The Great Alone. So I highly recommend this. It's a very emotional read. Um, it's a book that I will never forget. So it's The Great Alone, and it's by Kristen Hanna. I will admit, I have never read any of her books. That's terrible. I know. I, I'm making this admission <laughs> knowing that it's going to make a whole bunch of people cry. I, I can't quite uh, like process this in my head. That That's terrible. <laughs> Kristen so, Hanna is fantastic. So my next book is City of the Lost, oh, Rockton, yes. number one, by Kelly Armstrong. So this book um, features Casey. And Casey is a homicide detective and she has a friend named Diana and Diana is trying to get away from her abusive boyfriend. I think it's boyfriend. Maybe it's husband. It's one of the two. Sorry. Um, and Casey has a secret back when she was in college, she murdered a man, but she was never caught. And the bad thing about this, well, other than she murdered a man, is that he was the grandson of a mobster. So she knows at some point this is going to come back and bite her. So Diana's husband slash boyfriend, I'm not totally sure, um, finds them. And Casey is attacked. And Diana knows that he's, she's never going to get away from him, that they, they need to move again. So she knows of a place in northern Canada, um, somewhere in the Yukon to be exact, where people can apply to live and they can live off the grid. So you get no internet, no TV, very little power, no computers, like nothing. So nothing that we're used to every day can they have. And so together they apply. And Diana's accepted, no problem, because she's got a good story. But Casey's being a murderer, it doesn't really qualify her enough. But she is a homicide detective. So this really gets there, like intrigues them, because they need, they're currently in need of a homicide detective, because there has been a murder at Rockton. So Casey and Diana, they take off to Rockton 
and they're ready to shed their old lives. Like that's one of the rules. You can't like keep any connections from your old life. And you also can't leave Rockton without the permission of the council. So when Casey and Diana arrive, um, Casey sets off to do her job. And while she's doing it, she realizes that Rockton is hiding a lot more than the name of a murderer. So she kind of begins to wonder, is her and Diane, are her and Diana in more danger in Rockton than they were when they were back at home? So if you want to learn more, then you'll have to check out City of the Lost, Rockton, number one, by Kelly Armstrong. There is nothing, nothing out there quite like Rockton. I no, it. it's true. It's so, like you told me about it last year, and I was like, I, I, was, I was totally intrigued just because it's that oh. um, homicide detective, but that and it's in Canada. So as soon as I started reading it, I totally indulged. Like, I just, I read everything. They're so good. It's like such an original idea that she has. So it's like, you know, and you the don't people read it. there are so original. Oh like gosh. even even the people themselves and like the situations as you learn that brought them there, they're all very original. Yes, and there's a great canine named Storm. I know. All right, so my next pick takes us to the town of Grizzly Falls, Montana. I don't know that I want to live somewhere called Grizzly Falls, but that's just me. <laughs> so this is Left to Die, Pascoli and Alvarez, book one by Lisa Jackson. And this was actually, so Natalia was originally going to join us on this episode, and then she had a scheduling conflict. So this is actually one of her picks that I thought just fit this episode so well. So when she bowed out, I took this for myself. Yeah, skipped it up. I did. I was like, oh, great. I can talk about Lisa Jackson. So we follow two homicide detectives. We like homicide detectives in this episode. We do. And they are Selena Alvarez and Regan Pascoli. And they work for the Crisley Falls PD. So they're kind of bored, like things don't really happen in this small Montana town, kind of on the, the border of like this forest. There's just not really a lot going on. And they kind of wish that things could be a little more exciting, which is a stupid thing to wish. Like no one should ever <laughs> wish that. <laughs> no, no. Because as soon as you it. do, like terrible things happen to you. So as the reader, we're all like, don't do it. Don't yes. do it. No, just, just be happy like where you are. So there are, there have been four bodies that have been found in the woods outside Grizzly Falls. And they all belong to women. And it's clear that these women have experienced some kind of trauma, like before their deaths. So this leaves Regan and Salida to investigate this string of murders. And as they dig deeper into the past of these women and try to figure out like what connects them, how they came to the killer's attention, they realize that this killer is likely to be a lot closer than like a lot closer to them geographically than they would like to think. Then we meet a woman named Jillian who wakes up 
trapped in her mangled car. She has been in an accident. She doesn't quite remember what happened. She just knows that she's all alone in this like very deserted area. Her car cannot be salvaged and she's just like out there alone. And then she is rescued by this man who claims to be like a wilderness guide. And he says that you know, he can help her. So she's grateful for his assistance because otherwise like she would have probably died. But she also starts to think that there's something not quite right with him and she's not really convinced that he can keep her safe. So we see Jillian and then we go back to Selena and Regan as they investigate and you kind of start to wonder if Jillian is actually in the clutches of the killer. Um, and you have like these really kind of cool like build up so that you really start to wonder this and then something happens and you're like, oh no, like that, you know, that can't be like, I must be wrong. And so you never really know what's going on until like, the very end of the book. It is so, so excellent. This is, I think, one of my very favorite Lisa Jackson series. This is Left to Die, Piscoli and Alvarez, book one by Lisa Jackson. My favorite series of hers is the New Orleans one. Yes, I love those two. Those are my favorite, and I wish they yes. were still, I wish she was still writing them. Claire yeah, loved them. sadly, I think New Orleans is all done. I know, it makes me sad. It is very sad. So let's take you to a little less warm place. So this is um, The Split Ooh. by Sharon J. Bolton. And it takes place, at least partly, because we kind of take place in two different areas. This mainly takes place um, in South uh, Georgia, uh, the island of South Georgia in the Antarctic. Yes. And our main character is a glaciologist named Felicity Lloyd. And Felicity is trying to get away from her husband who has served a term in prison and he's looking for her. So when the season is ending and the boat, the last boat to um, South Georgia is coming in, she's really, really hoping that Freddie's not aboard this boat. Then we go back nine months and we there we meet a little less sure of herself, Felicity, and she is working with a counselor named Joe, and Joe is trying to help her figure out, like, what's going on. So she can't, re things are happening, and she can't remember, like, how she got there, um, how it happened. Um, she's finding, she's found these, like, journal entries that just don't make sense to her. She's finding, she's feeling as though people are in her house and like just things are happening. And Joe is in, himself is recovering from a stab wound from a former patient. And meanwhile, we also get to meet his mother who is a homicide detective and she is investigating the murders of homeless people. So these are a lot of different side stories that are happening. And so we go back to um, Antarctic 
and Joe is um, also on, is now on this boat to the Antarctic because he feels like he needs to um, be there to help Felicity. And his mom joined her because he feel, she feels that Felicity might know something about the case she's investigating. So this is The Split, and it is by Sharon J. Bolton. I really liked this. This, this setting, like the setting was just so perfect. Yes, it was. Like the barren lands of the of whiteness and like the the glaciers. Like I I totally want to go see glaciers. That's one one thing I would love to see. I was really fascinated by like the job that she did because it's not something that you usually come across, like the study mm -hmm. of glaciers. I agree. I yeah. agree. I liked it a lot. All right. So my last pick is The Hunger by Alma Katsu. And this is historical fiction kind of mixed with horror in a weird kind of way. <laughs> so this is a reimagining of the story of the Donner Party. So the Donner Party went west um, using the Oregon Trail and they were going to eventually like, you know, become homesteaders settle all this land and just kind of, you know, be the typical pioneers that we hear about when we think about the kind of development of the American West. And as we know, in real life, they met with a series of catastrophes on their trip West and were stranded for months and months um, in the winter. And many of them did not survive. So Alma Katsu, who is one of the most fascinating people to talk to, I loved interviewing her. She's just remarkable. Um, she takes this story and gives it a really nifty and horrifying paranormal twist. So her story goes something like this. So Tamsin Donner is this beautiful young woman. She's the wife of one of the Donner Party's leaders. And people believe that she must be a witch and that she is to blame for all these terrible things that have happened to them. Um, a child has died. Several of the um, members of the party have disappeared like their rations go missing in unexplainable ways. And so there are certain people who think that Tamsin is to blame for this. But there's not really a lot they can do about it. Like, what do you do? There's just, you know, there's nowhere to like drop her off. You just have to kind of hope for the best. But of course, kind of like wishing that things were exciting when they're not. Um, hoping <laughs> for the best doesn't seem to work well. And they decide for some odd reason that they're not going to take the usual like Oregon Trail. They're going to take this little used kind of mysterious way to get where they're going. And they think that this is going to help them out. They're going to make up for lost time. And of course that does not happen and they get stranded in this huge winter storm. But not only is the winter storm a problem, they begin to feel like something or someone is watching them, that something is out there in the wilderness waiting to pounce on them. And whatever this is, they think like must be very hungry. And they think that it is to blame for the disappearances of not only some of their like rations, but also some of their people. So this was just a really wild story, like a really 
original way to look at the story of the Donner Party and just to kind of give it that extra bit of oomph to just sort of wonder like what actually happened to these people. Um, it's pretty horrifying. There are some scenes of cannibalism, which oh. are not great. So <laughs> if you don't want to read about cannibals, um, you might want to stay away from this. But I really enjoyed what she did with this bit of, of our history. So this is The Hunger and it's by Almakatsu. It sounds like a pretty interesting book. It was pretty great. I <laughs> like her a lot. So my last pick is Desolation Mountain. Uh, Cork O'Connor, number 17, by William Kent Kruger. Number 17? Yeah, number 17. Um, and this is like the last book that he's written so far for this series, but I'm hoping that there's more because the way that it ended, it could be more, but doesn't have to be more, I guess. Have you read the first 16? Yes, I have. Ah, okay. I have. I love the series. Like, it's just, the setting is amazing. Um, he really makes you feel like you're there. Like I've never been to Tamarack County, Minnesota, but I feel like even if it's not a place, real place, like I feel like I've been there. Like I feel like I've been there. And his way of integrating like indigenous culture, because it has in it um, all his, his whole series that really integrates um, like Ojibwe teachings and um, one of the main characters is an Ojibwe man named Henry Melu, or something like that. Um, so our main character for this book is Stephen O'Connor. So that's the young, the son, um, uh, Cork's son. And Stephen has visions. Um, he often has visions of bad things that are going to happen. Um, he he predicted that something was going to happen back when his mom was on an airplane and it crashed. Um, he predicted when a killer was going to come, uh, somebody was going to come after him and shoot him. Um, he got shot when he was younger. And now he's predicting, um, he, in his vision, there is a bird and it gets shot down. So something... He's not sure, but it's making him feel very, un, like, uncomfortable. Like, he's, he's really worried. And Cork knows that Stephen isn't feeling comfortable, and he wants to know, like, is there a way to help him? But Henry tells him that he just needs to wait, that there's nothing we can do right now. So a couple of weeks go by, or at least a week goes by, and an airplane crashes. Um, a U.S. senator was on it along with most of her family and they all cra the plane crashes and everybody dies nobody nobody survives so Cork and Stephen along with some Ojibwe, went, Ojibwe Ojibwe men from the reservation they go out to um, take care of like check out the debris and see if anybody's alive and while they're there the FBI show up and tell them to go like take totally take over the site and as the as the days goes on um some of the first responders 
they start going missing. So like the Ojibwe men who were first were first on the on the scene, they start going, going missing. First, James Love and his uncle Ned go missing, and then Tom Blessing goes missing. So all these people just go missing. They don't know what's going on. So Cork, even though um, he's supposed to stay away, him and Stephen, they just feel like they need to keep investigating because nobody else is going to care that these indigenous men have gone missing. And they, they want to know, like, what's going on, right? Because it's not just a simple, like, um, the, the police reports, they're saying that it was, like, engine failure. But if Ooh. these first responders are going missing, obviously there's more to the story. So as we go along, we, um, Cork meets up with an old friend who used to be part of the Secret Service, um, Bo. And Bo has been asked to come like, by a mysterious, like you don't find out who it is, um, by somebody to come and investigate. So he's investigating on his own. But when he meets up with Cork, he realizes that he's going to learn more if he teams up with Cork because Cork's got commit, um, he's got relationships with people on the reservation. And if he doesn't have those connections, then he's not going to learn anything. So to, he teams up with Stephen and Cork. And as they're doing it, learning all this, there's a group of organizations that are kind of working against them. So there's a, there's a militia group that's working against them. Um, there's the FBI, there's the Department of Defense. This, all these like alphabet groups are kind of like playing against them. So they need to work together to discover like what's going on. So this is Desolation Mountain, Cork O'Connor, number 17 by William Kent Kruger. I want to read um, a standalone novel that he wrote called This Tender Land. I have that um, on but my I've heard. Own. I've had that on my phone. I just haven't read it yet. No, I haven't either. But it looks really, really good. So that brings us to the end of our discussion of books set in various types of wilderness. Thanks to Brooke for teaming up with me tonight to talk about all of these fantastic books. As always, thanks goes out to Christine for the editing that she does for each and every Book Bistro episode. And thank you so much to all of you who have joined us as we talk about the many, many, many books we love. If you would like to let us know your thoughts, you can do that by leaving us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts or any other platform you use to access the show. And not only does it allow us to see your feedback, but it also helps other book lovers to find us, which is a great thing. So I will be back next Tuesday morning with more bookish fabulousness. And some number of us will be back on Friday with more discussion of great books. Take care, everybody.